Welcome to the Rev Series Shares podcast for Sunday the 8th of October. This is our harvest service and thank you to Andy and Susan for sharing familiar passages, one from the Psalms and stories, parables of Jesus from Matthew's Gospel, all as you'd expect with a harvest theme. We look at God's generosity and his ability to take our small things and make them bigger. And we think about his kingdom, our place in it and what harvest means to us. Please do enjoy our service and do check us out on social media for the full service if you wish. Good morning and welcome to our harvest service on this Sunday the 8th of October. It's a joy and a privilege to join with you at this very special festival. I've always loved harvest. I think it's a fantastic festival and it comes really just to that cusp between the summer ending obviously autumn is here and um, but before all the christmas madness kicks in and i love the fact that it's a season of gratitude where we think about god's generosity and the hard work of so many people across our world so in a way it's that wonderful timely reminder between the joys and perhaps excesses of summer living and before the excess and consumerism that does appear quite soon in our world. So we have so much to be grateful for, even if we don't have very much. And today we're thinking about the small things, the wee things, the things that we give to God that seem insignificant and what God can do with them. After all, we are loved by God, equal in his sight because of Jesus Christ. Even in our misfortunes, we can find blessings. Sometimes it is looking for the rainbow in the storm or the silver lining around those stormy clouds. There are many blessings and I have been grateful for the many that I have received in these past two to three weeks in particular. And when I sat and wrote them down in my journal, I was amazed at how many there have been. Yes, sorrow and tragedy are real and they do hurt, but there are blessings to be found. It's kind of like that old song, count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. So harvest is one of those times where we do pause and count our blessings. And we also do pray for a harvest. We pray for food, for the hungry, for justice, for the badly treated, hope for the lost, faith for the faithless, love for the fearful, Yet harvest reminds us that we're also workers, not just receivers, that we participate, not just benefit. So what does harvest mean for you in a world where everything you could possibly want is just a click away, even, dare I say it, a worship service, where deliveries are immediate, and yes, I remember 28 days being the minimum, and food out of season is the norm all year round. What does harvest mean to you, to me, and to the wider world? And harvest is that time really where we stop to think. We're knowledgeable about where our food comes from and we really don't have any excuses anymore for not knowing. But harvest is one of those opportunities, especially perhaps in an urban environment, to be grateful once again. I do remember a probationer uh, once asking his, uh, in the old age message, asking the children where apples came from. And quick as a flash, his own son 
responded with from the supermarket, much to the glee of the congregation, um, because obviously that wasn't the answer that this probationer minister was looking for. But it's a sense of truth. I remember last year talking to children in uh, my local primary schools about the apples I had picked from a tree just round the corner from my house. And they were amazed at that. So perhaps harvest really is an opportunity to really think about what we eat, where it comes from, how we get it and receive it. Harvest might mean more activities in the fields and we might be more aware as we're driving around and we see the tractors and the big vehicles and we might get a little bit grumpy having to follow these slow vehicles. But these slow vehicles represent so much more than inconvenience. They are such a necessary part of our daily lives that we often miss or don't, just simply don't notice or know about because of where we stay. Harvest might mean displays of fruit and veg and flowers and all that jazz. It might mean certain songs that we really only sing at this particular Sunday, such as we plough the fields and scatter. And yes, we're having that just shortly. Harvest might mean tables bending in the middle with all the weight of gifts given for local food banks. And I know that we will be the same ourselves. Holidays also come to mind when you think about harvest and maybe you remember going out to help in the fields picking tatties or the likes you know depending which part of Scotland you came from you either got one week or two weeks I currently live in the one week zone but I do know what it is to live in the two week zone helping and participating in the hard work harvest is a time of year I love and I know I've said that and I love food I genuinely do I have an amazing cupboard of spices and herbs and I love to cook. I'm a rubbish baker, but I love to cook. And I love just food in general. It's a variety in a, from so many different cultures. But it's a season to be grateful. I love to say thank you. And I think harvest is one of those opportunities to do that. To appreciate where our food comes from, recognising that it's from all over the world. And we rarely know what is in or out of season anymore. I love the gratitude, where we stop to appreciate the little things. We're so used to simply picking up what we need from the shops or having it delivered to our doors that harvest festivals can help us to pause and remember, to think about those who work through the wind and the rain and the snow and the frost and even the extreme heat. I mean, we've had quite a summer here at times where it has been superbly hot and some of us have loved it and I'm sure some of us not so much. There are those who feel the pressure of 24-7 conditions, responding to the challenges of nature and politics and economics. And we pause and remember those who pick, package, market and sell, the people who do factory lines for the minimum wage, for who get very little appreciation and yet we need them. We pause and remember those who are trying to find enough to eat. Children, even on our own doorstep here, who are going to bed hungry, or parents who are still having to pass up on food in order to make sure that their families do not go without. The elderly who have nobody to prepare nutritious meals for them. You know, Harvest reminds us that we're not all fortunate, and yet there's more than enough to go around. We purchase, we consume, 
and we forget just how many people, just how much effort, how much time went into the ingredients that will sit on the plate before you as you have your dinner later. Harvest is an annual reminder of what we should never forget. Andy and Susan are going to share with us a reading from Psalm 145, and then Andy's going to read to us from Matthew 13. These are lectionary readings for a Harvest Sunday. What does harvest mean to you, and what will it mean to you by the end of this service? The Lord is loving and merciful, slow to become angry and full of constant love. He is good to everyone and has compassion on all he made. All your creatures, Lord, will praise you and all your people will give you thanks. They will speak of the glory of your royal power and tell of your might so that everyone will know your mighty deeds and the glorious majesty of your kingdom. Your rule is eternal, and you are king forever. The Lord is faithful to his promises. He is merciful in all his acts. He helps those who are in trouble. He lifts those who have fallen. All living things look hopefully to you, and you give them food when they need it. You give them enough and satisfy the needs of all. The Lord is righteous in all he does, merciful in all his acts. He is near to those who call to him, who call to him with sincerity. He supplies the needs of those who honour him. He hears their cries and saves them. He protects everyone who loves him, but he will destroy the wicked. I will always praise the Lord. Let all his creatures praise his holy name forever. Today's second reading is from Matthew 13, reading 24 to 33. The Parable of the Weeds Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like this. A man sowed good seed in his field. One night when everyone was asleep, an enemy came and sowed, the seed, sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the plants grew and the heads of the grain began to form, then the weeds showed up. The man's servants came to him and said, Sir, it was good seed you sowed in your field. Where did the weeds come from? It was some enemy who did this, he answered. Do you want us to go and pull up the weeds? They asked him. No, he answered, because as you gather the weeds, you might pull up some of the wheat along with them. Let the wheat and the weeds both grow together until harvest. Then I will tell the harvest workers to pull up the weeds first tie them in bundles and burn them, and then to gather in the wheat and put it in my barn. The parable of the mustard seed. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like this. A man takes a mustard seed and sows it in his field. It is the smallest of, the seed, of all seeds, but when it grows up, it is the biggest of all plants. It becomes a tree so that birds come and make their nests in its branches. The parable of the yeast. Jesus told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like this. A woman takes some yeast and mixes it with a bushel of flour 
until the whole batch of the dough rises. I entitled this reflection, Small Actions Lead to Large Reactions. And I was struck by the stories that are in the lectionary reading for this particular Harvest Sunday. And it's that idea of smallness creating large reactions. And so I want to share with you some thoughts. Yes, kind of tying in with what we've been thinking about over these past weeks. Harvest would normally finish our stewardship campaign um, but we had a kind of gap due to knowing that certain individuals were on holiday last week uh, and are back uh, today with us. So thank you to Andy uh, for reading for us and for roping Susan in uh, as well. And it's just an opportunity normally at the end of our stewardship campaign to just kind of pull everything together. But obviously thinking about that uh, idea that Moncrief Church might cease to exist in the future, really kind of hits us very, very hard. But it's an opportunity to also reflect on who we are, why we are, and what we are doing, and what God is trying to say to us at the moment. So I want to share with you just some thoughts on these uh, little parables that Jesus shares with his disciples. And it's a teaching opportunity with his disciples. And sometimes it's good to remember the context and who Jesus is speaking to. And the first thought that came to mind is that Jesus is really trying to help them understand what the kingdom of heaven is. And I'm not going to give you a very full theological answer to that, but just a gentle exploration round about it. And it made me think about travel. Obviously, I've got holiday coming up and uh, you always read the reviews. Well, or maybe you don't. I mean, are you that kind of person who likes to read the reviews to see what others have thought? always finding that one where somebody's desperately unhappy that there, that there were some kind of feelings and sometimes you wonder if they're just sore or over entitled um, when all the other reviews are positive. I remember the days when we didn't have reviews and you just turned up and hoped for the best and there's a little bit of me that quite likes those kind of surprises and I kind of miss that in this need to know it all society before we get there. But maybe that's a story for another day. So these three wee stories, parables of Jesus, are shared with the disciples to help them capture a little bit about what it is for the kingdom of heaven to be present in the here and now. So a bit like reading those reviews. It gives us an insight, but not the full picture. And we all react differently. So what is acceptable and wonderful and amazing or awful to somebody is the opposite to another. And that's why you're always careful when you read these reviews, aren't you? And I wonder often how far we can take these images, and in particular the first one about the wheat and the weeds. There's lots of ground we could cover there, but we're not going to go into too much detail with that one at this point in time. Firstly, remember that Jesus is trying to help his disciples, us, understand something about the wonder that is the kingdom of heaven. And it's important to remember that the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God isn't something um, that's on the other side of time, that isn't something that hasn't happened yet. We kind of live in this 
um, now and not yet. People might talk about liminal space, they might talk about that kind of limbo period, they might use other terminology. Um, I kind of like the now and the not yet because there's that sense of there is something, um, but there's something more um, yet to come. And we already live the life eternal. Uh, some people think that we only receive eternal life when we die. Um, others believe that eternal life has already started, that once you are saved by Jesus, you're already living your eternal life. It's just the location um, that changes. And it's kind of hard for us, I guess, because we miss loved ones, and I miss loved ones in, uh, a lot as well, to really understand that sense of the now and the not yet, the the, the sense of location, the, sen the finality of death for each of us on this physical planet as we are now. But I do look forward to that great reunion as well. Here though, Jesus is speaking to his disciples about the kingdom of heaven amongst us, not something that happens at the point of death or at another point in time altogether, but something present, tangible with us in the here and now around us is the kingdom of heaven. And when you look about, you think, well, you've got a different view to me, Sarah, because there's definitely no heaven where I am. Well, is that true? Really true? It is our role as Christ's body, his hands, his feet, um, his body in this world, to bring the kingdom of heaven to, to, to view, to enable people to see God at work, God present amongst them in the here and now, and not just in the time to come. And the great thing Jesus is telling us all is that it isn't about being big or brilliant or talented or um, wealth or status. You can be the ordinary Jane Doe or Joe Bloggs from anywhere and God can use you in his kingdom of heaven. It's about the accumulation of little actions that bring about big reactions the kind of ripple effect, if you will. We talk about this a lot and it's meant to empower and encourage and enable us all to get involved. Yet over the years, we have sunk so much into just a few people. We have put ministers and elders on pedestals and made it very difficult for people to fully engage with their right to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. Often ministers and elders haven't wanted to be put on these pedestals as if they're the truly holy ones, but we have done that. And I've seen it, thankfully, less and less the older I get, um, but it does still exist out there. We invest in buildings or have invested in buildings that we now need to walk away from because they're no longer fit for purpose or they will cost too much to run or there's just too many of them in one location. We limited our menu of spirituality. We have constantly cut back on discipleship, on Bible studies, on meeting for prayer or studying scripture together. There are a lot less services available in churches nowadays than there were even 20, 30 years ago when I was a youngster. And yes, I take responsibility for that too. I hear my own irony in that statement, but it's also truth. We are filled our diaries with activities and because we know God loves us, we have pushed him to the fringes and we know he will continue to love us. But still, we push him out there. Despite the call to congregate, 
we promote and permit the isolation of Christians by going it alone. And yes, God is with you, whether you are on your own or part of a congregation. And you are part of our congregation, wherever you may find yourself at this time. You are congregating with another. And that's what we are called to do. Not to cause issues, not to make anybody feel insignificant, but to actually enable and empower and grow together as the family of God. And the church will still survive, and indeed in places it thrives, even though we have pushed God to the fringes, reduced our spirituality menu, and gone it alone on so many occasions, and put buildings over people. And I think, I believe even, that the main reason that we still are is because God can, and he gets it. He knows that we are limited. As human beings, we are limited. We are fragile, we are temperamental, we are uh, constrained by time, by resources, and by so much else. We're limited in our understandings, and we're definitely, definitely not all built to be risk takers. We have looked at the story of Peter walking on the water. He's the only disciple that does it. None of the others are gutsy enough, even after witnessing Peter doing it, to get out of the boat. So the majority of us would most definitely stay in the boat. So we're not risk takers. And it's our very humanness that restricts our ability to grasp in any sense how wide, how deep, how all-encompassing the love of God and his power actually are. And it's great because of God, no matter how small our offering is, because God is God and his generosity and his love is limitless, our humanness is a blessing. A little bit of yeast is a powerful agent in a block of dough. To be present in the community that he's called us to, that's what it is, to be yeast. By bringing God's love, his mercy, his grace to a hurting, confused, lost, struggling community through small actions can bring about big reactions. Mustard seeds are tiny, really, really tiny. We're not entirely sure whether we're talking here about a mustard bush or we're talking about a particular type of mustard that was quite evasive as a plant, um, invasive, sorry, as a plant, and it, it would spread if it wasn't controlled. Maybe that's exactly what God is thinking about as well. Regardless, Jesus again makes the point, quite simply, that small actions can bring about large reactions. So you are that mustard seed in your place of work. You are that yeast in your community. You are the catalyst that is required for the kingdom of heaven to be made visible in the lives of the people that you meet, that you live with, that you work with, that you shop with, and so on and so forth. And it's interesting how Jesus uses active descriptions for the kingdom of heaven. It's not about who the best preacher is or the theological academic uh, thoughts that go into this, that's up to Paul, but for the ordinary people. And remember, he's talking to his disciples, people who have jobs, people who are married, might have children, people who might have no idea what they want to do with their lives. 
and were known locally um, when they left Galilee, at least, as Galileans, which was, you know, it, it wasn't a compliment. They were seen as unworthy, uneducated, untrained. You know, all of those kind of things are the very people that Jesus entrusts with the workings of the kingdom of heaven. There is scope for you and for me in God's kingdom. The very people, the very, very people who think they have nothing to offer God, that they are so insignificant that God could not even know that they existed, are the very people that God calls to be his light, his body, his hands, his feet in the, king, in the kingdom of heaven, in the places where you live. Jesus speaks of full harvest fields, but not enough harvest workers. We are called to get our hands dirty, to work together, sharing all the resources that God has given us. And we are resources. Each and every single one of us is a resource. None of us are excluded from that, no matter what church law or what church doctrine or what church practice has made you feel insignificant or unworthy. And yes, it's going to be hard work. Jesus never shies away from letting us know that it's going to be hard work. The first parable was about the weeds, and Jesus there lays it out for all of us. The kingdom of heaven is amongst us, but it is contaminated. It isn't pure. Not yet. That is still to come. That's why we're in the now and the not yet. That's why we're not in paradise. But we know that when we get there, there will be no more suffering. So therefore, we won't have to worry about weeds. Here, we catch glimpses of the kingdom of heaven. When we're enjoying fellowship in the hall, having tea and coffee after a service, when we help somebody in need, when we pray with somebody or we sense God's presence with us in prayer, when we worship and our voices blend in harmony in a way that we can't control, God is there and we catch a glimpse of heaven. It's fleeting though. And I know when you have those really, truly awesome moments with God, you wish you could just hold on to that forever. And they are blessings and you should write them down and remember them and reread them when times are tough. But they are simply glimpses of the kingdom of heaven. But it allows us and others to see God within our communities, within our churches, within our homes and within ourselves. We still inhabit the version of the kingdom of heaven where the weeds grow alongside the wheat. In the story Jesus tells, the two plants are indistinguishable until they are fully grown and only then can you tell the difference. And it's a warning to all of us that not everything might be as it seems. Those who speak to us of God are not necessarily of God. And that's hard to admit because we don't want to believe any of our own would uh, try and undo us or lead us astray. But it's important to be wise, to be careful, to check out what we are told and taught. Jesus and other church leaders in scripture remind us time and time again that false prophets and false messiahs will come. And there's much out there that confuses us and challenges. What I would be super suspicious of though is anybody, in, particularly in church circles, that says bigger and better is um, the way forward. Because I believe in a God 
of small things. I do believe that God is the God of little things, the little offerings, the little faith. O oh, ye of little faith! If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. He wants us to reach for the stars. But remember, the more successful we become, the more we tend to leave God out there somewhere instead of right at the heart of things. But again, that's human nature. God has blessed this church family. I am in no doubt about that. I don't know what the future holds, but I know that God has blessed this family. Indeed, I think it is because many of us have the tendency to step out of the boat and we have tried things. We have failed, but we have also succeeded. We have been blessed and we have felt the pain of loss. Over the past three years or almost three years since I came here, I have had the best time. And so many people have felt sorry for me over these past three years because it has been hard work getting through a pandemic, dealing with double services, wearing face masks, getting to know a new congregation, the loss of very dearly respected, loved people from our church family over that time. So much that has gone against us and yet so much has happened within and around and because of us. And I just want to reassure you that I think God has a lot in store for Moncrief. I think he has a lot in store for us because we try really hard to not get too big for our boots. We try really hard to value the small things. At some point in time, yes, Jesus will return and the world will be his to sort out and we're not called to judge who was right and who was wrong. We know that all that is wrong will be removed and burned in the fire. And within the new heaven and the new earth, there will be no more suffering. And it isn't our job to pluck out the weeds. Rather, we are to nurture the plants, support those of the kingdom of heaven, and recognize that no matter what we do, we will never please or convert everyone. And there will be those who will try to drag us down. Therefore, all we can do is remain faithful to our calling to make the kingdom of heaven apparent to all whom we meet through the smallest of actions. And trust God that through our small actions, he will reap large reactions. So this harvest time, when we have pondered again the generosity of God, when we have paused to be grateful, for the work, some of it incredibly mundane work that allows us to have what we want when we want it and in our communities and in our world. When we consider our decision making and our ethical choices at the till, remember that your gratitude, your choices, even the way you treat one another, stranger and friend, is a mustard seed, is yeast in the dough, is a spark of the kingdom of heaven within us, around us, and because of us. And taking that up a level just for a minute or two, what does that mean for Moncrief Church here in East Kilbride, Calderwood? How do we provide others with a glimpse of heaven? Indeed, how do we invite them to join us in the kingdom of heaven? Firstly, let's not give up just because there seems to be a lot of weeds around us at the moment. Let God sort that bit out. It's not our job to pull up the weeds. 
and we will probably do more damage trying to deal with that than actually just looking after the whole thing. We will work on nurturing our field and that might mean that we have some hard work to do and some hard choices to make around and within the building and perhaps even to reimagine ministry and mission here in Calderwood and beyond all together. Secondly, we are so serious about getting you involved. This is a community church. This is a family church and we want everyone to be involved. And no matter how small or insignificant your offering to the work of the Lord appears to be, remember who looks after it, who receives it and what he can do with it. So it might be develop and grow your faith. Absolutely, discipleship is so, so important. It might be participating in our working groups or becoming a prayer champion or a volunteer helper. Really, honestly, it's what God calls for you to do for Moncrief or for wherever you might be. By growing our own faith, our own learning and sense of place and belonging in God's kingdom will help us overcome any challenge, the temptations and the doubts that definitely lie ahead. Finally, I don't hold the future, thankfully, God does. No matter how small our faith, our worries are about the future, whether it's secure or not, we're held by a God who values the little guy. Give it to God and trust him with it. After all, he is God and the responsibility for his church ultimately lies with him. We don't work harder with less straw. We trust in God's provision each and every time. Bring the little, no matter how small it might appear to be to you, bring the little you have to God and let him multiply it. Let the kingdom of heaven be evident on earth. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. There won't be one for the next two weeks as I am away, but we will return again at the end of the month. Thank you for listening and I look forward to joining with you again soon. God bless and take care of yourselves and others. You can check us out on our social media and we will still have our worship videos in all the usual places.